0: Thank you for joining us as we look at Joshua chapter 22. Today, we'll be looking at a very important part of our life story, when families disagree. We are human beings and sometimes we disagree as family. We get united to fight those who are outside. But sometimes it is our own internal fights and disagreements, that break us down as families, as husband and wife, brothers and sisters, cousins, all because of prejudice, misunderstanding, and lack of looking at it from the other person's point of view. What do you do? This is not new. So long as we are alive, we see differently, we do things differently. But how do we, in the midst of conflict, bad perception or poor perception handle our internal disagreements because as they say blood is thicker than water. That is what we see in Joshua chapter 22 that the armies had fought Joshua played his part to discharge them honorably to go home and yet there was something else that nearly destroyed all these 12 tribes that had come together to fight their enemies under the able leadership of Joshua. So we see how Joshua discharged them, but we also see how they almost fought and destroyed each other, how with wisdom, perception, and insight they were able to overcome. Lord, we ask you to speak to us that we know how to live to please you, that all the things that we do will bring honor to you. In Jesus our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. In Joshua chapter 22, we find the general discharging his people, particularly Reuben, God, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, who had joined their brothers to cross the Jordan and fight with them to go back home to go and settle on the land that they had chosen themselves, that they want to stay here. Because as far as their eyes could see, it would be better for them to stay there and feed their animals. So they made that choice based on something that looked good to them. The grass is always greener at the other side. For seven years, they had been away from their families on the other side of the Jordan. And now these victorious soldiers were ready to go home. But let's see how they were discharged. We see that Joshua was a very, very good leader. In Joshua chapter 22, verse 1 to 3, we see how Joshua related to them. It says, Now Joshua called together the troops of the tribes of Urubim, God, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and addressed them as follows. You have done as the Lord's disciple, Moses, commanded you. You have obeyed every order I have given you, every order of the Lord your God. You have not deserted your brother tribes, even though the campaign had lasted for a long time. What did the leader do? He commended them. The two and a half tribes had promised Moses that they would fight, they would remain with the army, until the land is conquered, and they kept their promise. After the death of Moses, they pledged the same loyalty to Joshua, their new leader. Say, said, Joshua will be with you. We promised Moses will be with you. We'll conquer the land that the Lord has given us. These tribes had been loyal to Moses and to Joshua and to their brothers and sisters from the other tribes. For, why? Because they were first of all loyal to God. their God. It was his mission that they were carrying out. It was his name that was at stake and they were seeking to glorify God and to establish God's plan in the land. Friends, in the service of the Lord, you are to be devoted to God far above devotion to just a human leader or a cause or even to a nation. It is our devotion to the Lord That should be first and foremost. And when we see what others are doing and see that this is the work of God, we must support it. Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 to 24. Colossians 3 23 to 24 gives us a very, very insightful verse. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. If you and I would take this thing seriously, that so long as we are in this world and we say we are Christians, born again, filled by the Spirit of God, we are His ambassadors, it is His world, the earth and the fullness thereof belong to the Lord. So when you are in the office, on the road, whether you are a farmer, a fisherman, whatever you do, do it to please the Lord. Don't sell rotten food to people. Don't do things that are dangerous. Don't cut corners as a doctor, as a nurse. Don't cheat others and yet call yourself a Christian. There are some who do things because they want money to go and sacrifice to the Lord. They want something to go and show off in check that they are paying their tithe and their commitment. And they are doing things to kill others or to destroy others. Friends, take note. Whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So these soldiers fought because they knew the war was a war that God wanted them to fight, and they had to establish the testimony of the Lord where they were going. So after they finished, Joshua discharged them. They fulfilled their mission. They kept their promise. The tribes are now free to go home, for God had given them rest. They can now go. They have now secured victory and security and go home and rest. That is what the Lord will do to any of his children. He wants us to enter into his rest and not to be fighting left and right, left and right, fighting the enemy. He has won the victory for us. He wants us to focus on walking with him that will not be destroyed any longer. We should know that he has blessed us and as we walk with him, we claim our inheritance and he will give us the rest and the victory that we need. And then he told them, "Look, go back home. Can you just imagine what it would be like when these soldiers return home after being away for so many years? Think of the love they will receive from their wives, their children, who may not have seen them in a long time, and the treasures they will share. Oh, what a joy, what a celebration to be that they went home, back home. As I speak now, there may be some people who are separated from their families. Pray for them. Your father, your mother, your siblings may be separated away from you because they are overseas. Some went there because they wanted good things to happen to them. It has happened to them, and they've forgotten home. Pray for them. Some have gone there, bad things have happened to them, or it hasn't gone the way they want to go, they they, they thought it would go, and they are reluctant to come back home. Pray for them, don't give up on them, that they should come back and come back home. Or even if you may spiritualize it, some used to be with the Lord, serving the Lord and the God disappointed, They've walked away from him. Can we pray that such people come back to the fellowship of the believers, back to the church, back to the covenant group, back to the sheepfold, so that they can be just a lot of rejoicing because the straight children have come back home. Whether they wandered away seven years fighting all kinds of battles, they can come back home. Joshua admonished them. said, look, I am more concerned about your spiritual walk than just anything else. You have experienced Canaan because I have obeyed the Lord. So you see, just as you have been diligent in battle obeying me, so you must be diligent in your worship obeying the Lord, for he has kept his promise to each of the tribes. He has kept his promise. Joshua 22, verse 5, he said, Be sure to continue to obey all the commandments Moses gave you. Love the Lord and follow his plan for your lives. Cling to him and serve him enthusiastically. What an admonition. What a way a soldier would talk. You wouldn't expect him to do that. He would have said, strengthen your security. You be sure nobody attacks you. Be on the alert." That's what you expect a soldier to say. And he could have said that. But he's giving you an advice. You And I, an advice, be sure to continue. Say the Lord, love the Lord and follow his plan for your lives. Oh, you know that even as far back as the book of Joshua, Joshua could tell the people, follow God's plan for your life. Do You know what the plan of the Lord is for your life. We are looking for money, looking for security, looking for comfort, looking for luxury, doing all the things that we want to do. Joshua's advice to you, is, to you is simple. Cling to him and serve him, and he qualifies it, serve him enthusiastically. Serve him from with your joy, your body, your soul, and your spirit. That is what he said to them. An amazing thing about Joshua is that even though he was a general, he was not a priest, yet he took time to bless them. In the Old Testament, it was the ministry of the high priest, to bless God's people. But the common people sometimes could evoke, evoke, invoke God's blessings on others, especially a leader upon his people or a father upon his family. But what a sight it was to see the great general, Joshua, asking for God's blessings for his troops. He says, so Joshua blessed them and send them home. That's verse 6, 22, 6. Then in verse 8, he told them to share their great wealth with their relatives back home, their loot of cattle, silver, gold, bronze, iron, and clothing. Share them. Share it with them. Why would he bless them and give them this advice? Well, because sometimes you think that you are the only one who has achieved the victory. But you know, Nobody achieves victory in this life. There are people around you, wives, children, colleagues, sometimes caretakers, sometimes plumbers, sometimes fetists, sometimes people who even do not have any, any title. They all help us to succeed. And when you succeed, do remember them. Joshua, in blessing them, said, share your good deeds with them, that they will remember and they will also thank God and they will bless you because after all, these people stayed at home, but they protected the home. They protected the cities. They kept the machinery and the community going while you were out there fighting. It is only fair and human that you spare, I mean, that you share your spoils with them. Yes. What a way to discharge the people. What a way to teach them to share in the joys of victory with others. But we also see something very interesting. The people were feeling homesick. Have you worked with people, spent time with them, either in school or in the office, and it's now time to go on retirement or you've lived abroad, you, you, you're just in the community, and it's time to part. And sometimes parting can be very, very, very difficult. He said that the a pastor who pastored the church, was a minister of a church for a very long time. And when it was time for him to go to another church, the people gathered around to see him, and they were crying and they were just sad that he was going to leave them. And as they held hands to pray, they broke out singing, "Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love." So when we are part, it gives us it gives us inward pain. The pastor couldn't take it. He said, "No, I won't go." I'll just stay with my people, and he stayed with them until he died on the mission field. Well, the men of God, Reuben, and half-tribe of Manasseh made their way. They were happy to be going home, but it was not easy to go back home, to leave behind the, the priesthood, the tabernacle, and all the things that they saw made their lives meaningful. Then they decided to do something. There's no question that God's appointed people were to be in Canaan. Anything short of Canaan wasn't where God wanted them to be. And these people were walking away from Canaan and going back to the land on the other side of the Jordan. What were they going to do? How did they solve the problem they created themselves by asking for land that was pleasing to their eyes? You know that saying, all that glitters is not good. Well, this was the, they were now leaving their place of comfort and worship, which reminded them of God. They built a large altar of stones by the river Jordan on the other side so that you'll be a reminder to everybody that they belong to the nation Israel. That's what they did to remind them that they belong to Israel. Now, <laughs> this is the eighth memorial that was erected in Canaan but they erected it because of an excuse that they give when their children ask them why are you doing this? they will say oh, we are part of Israel the other tribes are on the other side of the Jordan but we are all from one family it is good to have memorials it is good to remember where you come from. But sometimes what we do can be dangerous. For instance, there are people who are no longer going to church. They are not in fellowship with anybody. And when they miss their spiritual warmth and fellowship, they stay at home. They claim they are doing other things or they claim they are watching TV, going on radio, going on internet and doing all these things. There's nothing really wrong with those things. You see, but the Lord says, do not, do not forsake the assembly of the brethren. When you can, if you cannot, it is a different thing. But don't say you are so busy, you are so taxed, and God is everywhere, he's with you, and you are going to church, he say you go to church? Yes, yes, I heard my pastor today, I heard him on the internet, I heard him, they are streaming live, and you are lazy about it. There's a joy of sharing real-time fellowship with others. So this will build an altar there to remind them and their children when they ask them, oh, so we are part of a big family. The other family is there. I tell you this, the good is often the enemy of the best. Because if the people of Reuben, God, and Manasseh had faithfully attended the feast in Jerusalem, if they had honored the Lord by obeying his word and had talked about it in their homes, and had made the journey to go to and spend this feast, they would be able to raise their children to know and serve the Lord. The altar on the Jordan bank, however, was no guarantee of success. If we pray with our children, we take the family together to worship God. Yes, church has problems, challenges as human institution. It has its problems and challenges, but that is God's ordained place for us to be, my friend. If you are listening to me as a Christian, as a Christian leader, as a backsliding Christian, go back home. Don't take shortcuts. Don't let anything deceive you. Don't say God is everywhere. I'm worshiping him. Even when Jesus came, he worshipped in the synagogue. They persecuted him. They didn't like him there, but he was there. So that is the body his father has set apart. So let's go on with our story. They established an altar on the bank of the Jordan to give a testimony about their belonging to the people of the land, the people of the promise. Now, let's see the third one. Trouble brewing when brothers get ready to fight. You know the saying that bad news travels fast. When they built the altar and they finished, somehow, word spread quickly. Joshua 22 verse 11 says, But when the rest of Israel heard about what had been done, they mastered an army at Shiloh and prepared to go to war against their brother tribes. When they heard it, they prepared to go to war against their brothers. How? Where traveled quickly that the tribes in the east of the Jordan had erected an altar and no matter what it was, their actions were misunderstood by the other brothers and they prepared for possible war because they know that whatever affects them will affect them as well. They knew something. They are brothers. First Corinthians 12, 13 says, we are all members of the body of Christ. What affects one affects another. So they decided to go and fight. But wisely, they decided to investigate What was going on? Proverbs 18, 13 tells us something. What a shame. Yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the fact. That's the New Living Translation. The New King James says, He who answers a matter before he hears it is folly and shame to him. Well, somehow they decided, instead of going to fight our brothers, instead of just acting on the story, let us go and ask them, What are you doing? And why are you doing it? And they went there and the brothers told them, no, we are not rebelling. We are not rebelling. We are only erecting an altar so that it will remind us and our children and our children's children that, oh, we are part of the tribe. We are part of God's people. The accused tribes invoked the name of God six times as they replied to the charges, and in so doing, they used the three fundamental names of the Lord. El, that's the mighty one, Elohim, God, and Jehovah, the Lord. It was a solemn oath that their intentions were pure, and that the Lord knew their hearts. So That's what we're saying. The Lord knows our hearts. We are not setting up these things to, to cause a rebellion, but rather to give a testimony. One of the things we should learn from here is that God knows our hearts, and sometimes we use it to justify a number of things. Oh, we didn't know. Or oh, as for me, I know God knows my heart. Jeremiah seventeen nine tells us something. It says something about our attitude. It says the heart is the most deceitful thing there is, and desperately wicked. No one can really know how bad it is. Because all kinds of questionable things can be shielded by, the Lord knows my heart, the Lord knows me, I intended to do well. Well, it may be true, but sometimes your heart can deceive you. There are people who kill, who cheat, who lie, who receive bribes, who do all kinds of things because they think they have a justification. Even God himself must understand. And people say those things. But look, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 21. The Lord knows the heart, but Paul gives us the right approach. He said, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. You see, when a whole nation misinterprets what is supposed to be a good deed, and it brings them to the brink of war, then there must be something wrong, and there must be something wrong that others can talk about. The accused tribes made it clear that they were not setting up a rival religion because the altar they built wasn't for sacrifices, rather they were putting up a witness that would remind the tribes west of the Jordan, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, were part of the Jewish nation of Israel. Well, let's fast forward that story. What happened? There was a happy agreement. From verses 30 to 34, their brothers were happy with them, that the purpose of the altar was for witness, not sacrifice. And this seemed to have settled the matter. They talked, they understood, and they said, let us make peace. And they made the peace and went back home. But if you fast forward the story, you know what the name of the story, We you know the end of the story. But when you fast forward the story, take this again. But when you fast forward the story, you see that when they chose, the two and a half tribes chose to stay in that environment, eventually, it proved to them that they had made a bad decision. We should learn that they made a bad decision. When you choose to live among unbelievers, when you choose to be unequally yoked, when you choose... Something because of sight, not because of God's blessing. You may find yourself in trouble. Israel was pleased, they were pleased, but was the Lord pleased. Remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember the story of Abraham and Lot. The lesson is simple. Sometimes we choose to close our eyes on certain things, thinking that the Lord will endorse any wrong thing that we do. But in the long run, we may Suffer for it. So, how did this story end? It is not within the scope of this book, but in studying the Bible and in learning the lessons from the Bible, we should learn and learn well. The Transjordanic tribes deemed the altar a witness between us and the Lord. That's how they called it. But if the Lord is God, why didn't they obey Him? And live in the land he appointed for them. The stones may have been a witness, but the people certainly were not. They were surrounded by pagan and idolatrous nations who influenced them, a compromise in marriage and business, sacrificing to idols, their brothers and sisters crossed the river, went to other places, and these tribes. Quickly fell into idolatry, and were eventually taken by Assyria. In First Chronicles chapter five, verses twenty-five to twenty-six, we read, "But they were not true to the God of their fathers; instead, they worshipped the idols of the people whom God had destroyed." So God caused King of Assyria, also known as Tiglath-Pileser, pileser to invade the land and deport the men of Reuben, God, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They took them to Halah, habro Hara, and the Gozan River, where they remain to this day. They went into captivity when they chose to stand half-half and not go full hog with their brothers and sisters. So what do we learn? After the battle, we settle for peace. But in peace, we must still follow the Lord. We can quarrel when we disagree with each other. But let's talk about it. And when you talk about it, don't just say that what I've done is a way of worshipping God. My heart doesn't condemn me. Is it pleasing to the Lord? Ultimately, our duty in this world is to live and please the Lord. Church history is full of agreements and accords that magnified the Lord. May we decide to magnify the Lord in all things. May he be the king of our lives. May we seek to do his will. And may we, like the hymn writer who said, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next victor's song. To him that overcometh, a crown of life shall be. He, with the King of glory, shall reign eternally. There are battles, there are compromises, there are traps all over the place. But let's seek the Lord's wisdom, that after we've fought and conquered, after the Lord has bought us and left us in this world, we do not compromise with the world and lose the victory, but rather seek His will for our lives. And live to enjoy his blessing on us. May his glory shine through you. May you live for him. May you give your life to him. And remember, he is the Lord who loves you, now and forevermore. Amen.